What's up, you beautiful bastards? Hope you're having a fantastic day. Welcome to the Your Song, My Song podcast. I am Jesse Keller, and I'm joined by my co-host, Gabriel Berry. Gabe, how you doing? You scared the shit out of me. <laughs> that just that just threw me for a loop. I had to stop myself from like laughing out of fear and also uh it's pretty funny doing do you, that do you get my d. reference this uh philly d bro of course right. i get it all right good you're talking to the one of the world's biggest philip defranco fans oh yeah you're a philip defranco fan yes sir i am i love philip defranco he's great i've been watching him for years mm-hmm. same here i think you got me into him actually he's great i love him i love his news reporting um you know he does what he has to do to stay relevant and like you know market himself on youtube but yeah he he always reports the news open honestly reports all sides i like that you know he's not biased you know what else i like what i like that we're here today welcome everybody yes i appreciate everyone joining us if you're listening hello yeah hello everybody we have a good show yeah we do we have this is gonna be a good one um I, I think we both have two really good uh, lists here of songs uh, and a solid playlist. Our longest playlist that we have made. Yes, this is our longest. Gabe, do you want to tell us what the topic is of the week? Well, before before I do that, Jesse, um, we always have a little bit of housekeeping to do before we ever get into a topic. Plus, I also I went to a show. I want to talk about that, too. I, I saw some live music, so... Um, but of course, a new episode of our podcast launches every Monday. Now, our last episode, we we had a bit of a technical issue uh, with ZenCaster, so um, <clears throat> we skipped a week. Uh, so episode we have, a, four, we have a lost episode as of right now. Yeah, as of right now. Hopefully, we'll be getting it out. But um, yeah, we unfortunately we we lost an episode there just because of uh, post processing. Um, but otherwise, other than that, a new episode will launch every Monday of the Your Song, My Song podcast. Uh, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Google Podcasts, and the free feeds. So wherever you listen to podcasts, we are available. Um, in the link of the description of every episode, you can find our link tree, and that has a link to every platform, or not every platform, but a link to Spotify and Apple Music with the playlist for the theme of today's episode with all the songs that we talk about along with uh, other t- uh, songs that we included on our list as well. And uh, feel free to DM us any comments, questions, concerns over at YSMS underscore podcast at Instagram. Um, you know, send us a message, drop us a line um, and we will respond. So, uh, but yeah. Um, but before we get into today's topic, Jesse, I just wanted to talk to you a little about um the show that I went to yesterday, I, I won't take too long on it. There's not too much to talk about because it was pretty much, um, I mean, I've seen this artist live four times already, so. Um, That's a lot of times. Yeah, I knew what to expect, but also like, you know, I had some interesting um, uh, <clears throat> developments throughout the day as I was there. Um, also, for those who might be listening, uh, my voice is a little shot. Uh, and I have really bad whiplash from thrashing. My neck really hurts. So I had some tea before this and some water, and I have some water with me, and I'm going to try and do my best to talk. 
But uh, yeah, so yesterday, um, we're recording this on the 7th of October. Uh, yesterday on the 6th, I went to Asbury Park at the Stone Pony Live stage to see Turnstile. And uh, opening for them was Snail Mail and JPEG Mafia. Never heard of either of them. Oh, JPEG. I'm sure I'll put Peggy on a list somewhere. But um, they're all from Baltimore, all these bands. Snail Mail is uh, uh, Lindsay Jordan. She's the lead singer. Um, it's like uh, kind of spacey indie rock, indie pop. You'd like it. It would be up your alley. Um, and then uh, JPEG Mafia is like industrial hardcore rap. He makes these beats that are just, they are an assault on the senses, some of them. They're really intense. He screams. He's got an amazing stage presence. I'll talk about him in a sec. But uh, the day starts. Uh, me and my girlfriend are. We go to Asbury Park, um, which is where I just was. Yes, uh, which is very funny. Uh, on the way to Asbury Park, uh, we stop at a Wawa to use the bathroom, and uh, I. <clears throat> this was the nastiest fucking Wawa I've ever been in my life. Why? What? What was there? Um, I don't really want to go into express detail about what I saw, but let's just say I walked into the men's bathroom. Oh, it was a bathroom issue. Somebody was using the urinal, so I walked over to the bathroom stall and saw what I could only say was an act against humanity. (laughs) Just that person, I don't know what the fuck was going through their mind, but the way they left that toilet bowl, I literally said out loud, I said, Jesus fucking Christ, and just walked (laughs) out and waited for the dude to stop pissing in the urinal so I could go do it. It was just... Wow, that's really bad. I I really... I don't want to get into express detail, but I will say that it's one of the worst toilets I've ever seen in my fucking life. It looked like people kept like shitting on top of shit and <laughs> I like, you just said you weren't gonna get in, into it <laughs> well you know what i'm just gonna say it it just looked like people kept pooping on top of each other's poop <laughs> over and over and over again to the point where it was about to come out of the fucking toilet okay it was nasty it was so horrible <laughs> apparently the female bathroom wasn't that good either sammy was telling me about oh god we get to the show uh we get to the show like two hours early because we want to get barricade and um we're there's already a couple people in line but it's not too much right uh-huh. and uh we get there um and there is this really loud annoying girl uh who i never got her name and i'm glad i didn't um but throughout the two hours, Jesse, she lets eight people cut in front of us. Eight fucking people cut in front of me and like the group of people that were in front of me and Sammy. Just let her friends stroll up. Not even like 30 minutes. Like more of her friends kept showing up. Eight what? fucking people. Now, I don't know about you, okay? If you're on a line for a show, Right. Mm-hmm. If you show up two hours early, right? Yeah. Then you're you're online, you know? That's right. But if your friend shows up thirty minutes before the doors are gonna fucking open, then then they, they go to the fucking back. I don't care who the fuck you are. If it was one person, maybe. Okay. Like depends on how chilled we were. And this girl, let me fucking tell you, right? I don't like to gatekeep shit. 
I don't like to rain on anybody's parade. Some people are cringe, okay, and that's okay. You know, you can be cringe. This girl was such a fucking poser. She had her merch. She'd gone to the first turnstile show on Monday in Brooklyn, and she had this sold-out plushie. With She had merch from the other show that she was at, and she was going on and on and on and on about it, and it's like, you're just putting fucking Target on yourself to get mugged. Like, if I really wanted to, like, I, I know what you look like, and I know what you have on you. I'll just follow you after the show and then steal your shit. Yeah. Like, it, 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 she just aggravated the shit out of me. And then on top of that, to let eight people fucking cut us, hated that. Now, I will say, while I was there, even though that fucking sucked, I made an acquaintance, but I never got his contact information. Can you guess what his name was? I don't know. I mean, I'll just say I'll just say either uh, Jesse, Dylan, or Mike. Just to it was none of those. Oh, okay. Then uh... you know what his name was, Jesse? Jeffrey. No, his name was Gabe. I met Gabe. another Gabe. You met a Gabe in the wild. I met another Gabe, and he was a great man. There's no chance in hell he's ever going to listen to this, but I will say shout out to Gabe because shout Gabe, out to Gabe. Gabe was a baller. He was a nice guy. We were joking a lot. Uh, we were joking about the Sopranos. Older, younger, same age. He's like he's like in our age range, like you know, mid twenties, and he was tall, thin. He had really long brown hair. Um, he looked like somebody from New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> he looked like he looked like a stoner from New Jersey. Um, okay. But he was a chill dude. He had this really cool shirt on that was like it looked like cracked porcelain, and it had like a bunch of like cupids on it like uh almost like Sistine Chapel type shit. Hmm. Anyway, we get into the venue. Um we get barricade um towards the left side of the stage cuz I had never liked to be main center because there's a lot of crowd surfers at these shows. Uh-huh. You get you get kicked in the head this way. Um as me and Sammy have found out from experience. So we kind of went uh like center left um to not be dead middle so we wouldn't get you know fucked up a lot yeah and uh kind of right in front of where the lead guitarist for turnstile is this guy pat who i'll talk about in a sec because shout out pat um who will also probably never listen to this but um i got a set list another set list because the last time i saw them i also got a set list so from pat because i screamed at him but um so we got there and this is a great venue. I love this venue. I've never been here before. Um, it's a big outdoor open space. Which venue was it? Uh, the Stone Pony, the live oh, stage. Oh, you were at the Stone Pony. <clears throat> yes, excuse me. Oh. Yeah, the live stage. Not the actual bar itself, mm-hmm. but like the parking lot that they've turned into a live yeah, yeah. venue outside. Um, Big stage, good sound. It was really nice. I love outdoor venues. It's just like, it's especially for GA experience. Um. You know, you're not having to work with an air conditioner that can't obviously withstand like the heat and the humidity that comes from the moshing and like the sweatiness of like, you know, uh, like six to eight thousand people. Yeah. So uh, it, 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 it was a, and it's right near the ocean, too. So you're getting the sea breeze is really comfortable. Right. Um, but the barricade itself was padded. It had this soft padding on it that I, me or Sammy, have never seen before. Uh-huh. It was like, um, 
like almost like punching bag padding. It was really comfortable because during the main show, I was getting fucking squished up against it. Yeah. But there was this woman there who apparently that was her company or she represents the company. I think it's her company. And she designed the padding. So I have to find out the name of it. I got to find it out. But uh, she actually took a video of me and Sammy because I was telling her because she came up and was talking to everybody uh, who was on the barricade. And I said to her, I'm like, this is the best invention ever for uh-huh. GA, especially at one of those shows where everybody's rushing to the forward when the main band comes out. So you're getting you're getting pushed up. Yeah. And I guess the metal barricade that hurts, you know, that squishes your shit in. So it's not fun. You know what? It's also probably for just in case anyone gets thrown into it from like moshing. Like, yep. um, like imagine getting your head bashed into one of those things. Or when you're crowd surfing and maybe security loses the grip yeah. on you and you might fall. This way you're safe. It is an amazing invention. So shout out to that lady. Yeah, shout out to that lady. I don't because even know what her... What, did you say her name? You didn't? I didn't, no, I, did, I don't know her name. I don't know the company. I'm going to do a little bit more research. I'm going to find out and I will let us know next episode if I figure it out what it is. Maybe I'm even on the page. Who knows? Because she took a video of us. Um. So... Uh, yeah, so we got we got our spots and everything. It was pretty good. We were around some cool people. We actually met up with this chick that we were at the New York Turnstile show with in May. Oh, really? It was kind of like, for better or worse, she's, I don't want to call her groupie, but she follows Turnstile around. She's seen a lot of Turnstile shows. But she Wouldn't recognized you say us. that you do as well? In a way, but I mean, I I haven't been to enough turnstile shows like she has. I mean, like she goes to like every show on a tour, you know, like she was ah. she on the first leg of the glow on tour earlier this year. She went to like 10 shows. So um, I don't mean groupie in like a bad way, though. I mean, sure, I could be a groupie, too. I'll be a groupie for fucking turnstile. I don't care. Hey, we um, all have we all have our bands that we want to be groupies for. I mean, listen, it's not even a. I'm not saying again, not in a like a prerogative or like a negative way. I I think that uh, uh, you know, like you following a band around is cool, and they actually recognized her too. Like the lead singer recognized her. They posted her on the main Turnstile social, but she recognized us all the way back from May, and she came up to us probably in a ploy to also get up to the barricade because she was not in line when we got there but she was there and you know talked to us and it was cool that she was there she eventually like was able to like push the guy to this the guy next to me away and get onto the barricade with me and sammy um but yeah so uh, first act that plays is snail mail i haven't really listened to snail mail before um I like the music, but uh, Lindsay Jordan, the lead singer, she, I think she was drunk. She was just slamming back White Claws on stage. Huh. She was just pounding them back, and she seemed really nervous, and she's like our age, and I was like, man, like she just, she just was very, her stage presence was very awkward. Really? That being said... She played a couple tunes that were really cool. I was grooving out really hard to them, really enjoyed it. So I'm going to check out more. But then, but then, Jesse, JPEG Mafia took the stage. Oh, my God. Uh, they were fun. He is amazing. He's an amazing fucking performer. He had the whole crowd going. 
I was so jealous to not be in the middle or of being in the middle or like being next to the middle because mm-hmm. they were vibing the entire time. They were moshing. They were moving on the left side. By me, not a lot of people were moving around. I was moving. I was having a great fucking time. Um, Sammy never heard of him, but he she really liked him, too. Uh, he played a couple of my of my favorite songs of his. Uh, he played Bald. He played Hazard Duty Pay. He played Jesus Forgive Me, I'm a Thought. Um, it's really good. I highly recommend, if you haven't ever listened to JPEG Mafia, uh, check him out. Uh, he's great. And then the main event, Turnstile, came out. They fucking brought the house down. It was amazing. They changed their set list up. Um, and it was... Did they play anything that you never heard before? They haven't played anything that... Well, yeah, live that I haven't heard before because yeah, the, that's last, what I'm saying. the last two shows were the same set list. But for this new leg of the Glow On tour, they seem to have changed the set list around. Uh, they they opened with a different song and they had a couple different songs um, in the lineup, but they played the hits off of Glow On. They played like all the singles they played. Um, they opened with Holiday. Uh, they played Blackout. They played... Uh, uh, mystery they played uh underwater boy which is a song that i talked about uh, back in episode three mm-hmm. uh on our indie songs uh or sorry not episode three episode two uh, on our uh, fall music list uh episode um yeah and it was they're phenomenal live performers they bring such a frenetic energy to the stage uh that is just i i can't even describe it it's just Brandon Yates, the lead singer, he has such a control over the crowd and he's just he's moving and he's dancing the entire time. And and it's just so, so fucking awesome to see them every time, even though they don't switch it up too much. It's still great. It's such a fun experience. Um, I love seeing them live. Me and Sammy are now debating about going to uh, they're playing their last show of the tour is going to be in Harrisburg which is not too far from me. It's like an hour away from where I live, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. So maybe, maybe, you know, uh, we'll go. It's in um, it's in November. So um, go see them one last ride. And then after this, they're done touring for a bit. So probably I would feel their next move is to put out a live album, but we'll see, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe make some new music, but I mean, otherwise, it was an amazing show. Um, I highly recommend to anybody that if Turnstile is playing in your town on this tour right now with these opening acts, it is a show to see. It was fucking astounding. It was so good. Great venue. And then, um, you know, I I ended the night off by driving to Raising Cane's uh, Mm. right outside of Sesame Place because it was on the way home. And had raisin canes, chicken fingers for dinner. Even though you kept recommending me places to go, including the windmill, um, <laughs> me and Sammy wanted to get out of Asbury Park. But I don't think that'll be our last time in New Jersey. I think mm-hmm. we really like that venue. I think if they're gonna, you know, if anybody that we're really interested in playing there again, we'll go. The but... Stone Ponies, you know, a legendary spot. That's where, uh, that's where the boss Bruce Springsteen actually got started, if I'm not mistaken. Really? Mm-hmm. I never knew that. That's I wow, that's crazy. I mean, I'm not a huge Springsteen fan, but still mm-hmm. that's that's history right there. That's fucking great. Yeah, man. 
But um, yeah, no, I thought it was a really fun time. And uh, if you live in the Jersey, Philadelphia, New York area, check out the Stone, the Stone Pony, the live stage. Um, if they're playing shows there, I mean, it's we're getting into the fall now, and probably not going to be too many, you know, live shows out in the open. But you know, they play, they have shows inside too. So, but yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. I had a great time. Now I'm suffering for it. I'm hurting. My neck hurts from all the thrashing I did and the mm. moshing. And uh, <clears throat> my voice is shot. But yeah, so uh, I'm going right. to shut We're still good, right? Uh, yeah, we're great. We're good. We're awesome. So, But I'm going to shut up about that now. Um, and uh, Jesse, I'm going to let you take it away. I'm going to ask you, uh, what is the show about? What are we talking about today? Well, we are talking about, which in my opinion, is one of my favorites so far, is Best Album Openers. So these are songs that we've chosen that are the first track on an album, hence album opener. Um, There's also a little caveat to that. If there is a introduction song that doesn't really count as the song itself, we were doing full songs and not just intros. Uh, I don't know if either of us have second, technically second songs, but that was like a little asterisk on the whole process. I um I did at one point and then I got rid of it. Okay. Um for something else. Uh you know, just didn't really feel like putting it on the list. Uh, I feel like it'll it'll work better somewhere else cuz I try not to repeat the music that I'm going to use. Yeah. But yeah, man, album openers. Um in my opinion, the first song or you know, the first one or two songs on an album are the most important because you're coming into an album and this, this song or songs, they have to set the tone. They have to establish what you're about to listen to. Exactly. What journey you're about to go on for maybe the next 45 minutes to an hour. Um, and it's there, it's an important, important song. And these songs by themselves, you know, not just album openers, but also great singles too. A lot of these songs that we've chosen, um, they're just they stand on their own outside of the context of the record. But even in the context of the record, they establish a masterful album. I think pretty much every opening song that we have both picked come from perfect records or at least, you know, I would say like between the eight to ten ranges Uh in terms of album scores. In my opinion, I think most of the, the, the albums, the songs that I chose for my album starters are great. So, Do you want to get started or do you want me to go first? Oh, I can go first. Um, sure. I what can, do you got? I can go first. Um, I have in my number five that I'm talking about, um, or the first song I'm talking about, uh, is a song called Disorder. Um, and it is from a little known band called Joy Division. Love Joy Division so much. Love Ian Curtis. Rest in peace. We'll talk about that in a sec. Um, it's from their 1979 album, Unknown Pleasures. Mm-hmm. Um, Joy Division uh, consisted of lead singer Ian Curtis, uh, drummer Stephen Morris, uh, Peter Hook, who's the bassist, um, and then eventually went on after uh, Joy Division to found New Order. Um, you know, uh, Blue Monday, uh, 
<laughs> Are there new order tracks? I can't think off the top of my head because I don't listen to too much new order. But um, yeah, uh, fun fact. Joy Division's band name comes from the name of the sex slave wing of Nazi concentration camps. Um, oh, yeah. It's a it's pretty dark, pretty fucked up. Yeah. Um, this is the first track on Unknown Pleasures. Uh, it's an iconic album iconic album art it's those like waves those sound waves i'm sure you've seen it on like a black shirt it says joy division at the top yeah um but um this song is about ian curtis's like depression it's really about like his dissociative feelings that he had um and he talks a, a little bit about his medical conditions too he um he suffered from these seizures uh, epileptic seizures that sometimes he would have on stage during performances, uh, which is really scary. Did they, did they ever like stop their, perf- like, did they stop they, and then like, that was it? Or did they ever like continue? They would, sometimes they would stop. Sometimes they wouldn't, they'd let him write it out. Sometimes if it was really bad, they'd have to stop it. This kind of all led, uh, to Ian Curtis taking his own life. Uh, oh, in I didn't even know that. Yeah, he um he they were about to they blew up this album. This album is is a classic. I would mm-hmm. say it's one of the most important records. It's a the most important post punk record by a margin. Um, and their sound has shaped bands for generations. Um, but unfortunately, Ian Curtis really couldn't take the pressure especially when he had this condition and along with he he suffered really really bad depression and anxiety and uh he killed himself in uh, 1980 right before they were about to embark on their uh first US tour they were about to embark 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 <laughs> excuse me um there's actually a really good movie about um his final days uh called Control it came out in 2007 and it uh stars Sam Riley as Ian Curtis huh but why did I choose this song? Um, I think, and and I'm going to say this a lot, it is a great tone setter. This album is a downer, but it's also, it's energetic. It's got, um, it's got really, uh, none of it's upbeat. It's all dark. It's very emo. It's very goth. Um, but it's got, you know, beat. It's got groove. It's got funk to it. Um, I love the drums. Uh, the opening drums, and then and then Peter Hook comes in with his bass line. He's jumping these octaves. And Ian Curtis, he has these great droning vocals. I love the opening line. I've been waiting for a guide to come and take me by the hand. Can these sensations make me feel the pleasures of a normal man? Like, he... It's very alien. And it's very... You immediately get sucked into this very dark like just like i said alien feeling and i love it i love this whole album uh other great songs on here she's lost control um day of the lords another great record uh or uh, track on the record uh it is it's dark it's scary at parts uh but it is it's you know it's funky it's 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 moving it's driving it's a song you could dance to you know you could move to Mm -hmm. 
But um, no, it is especially the beginning. Yes, I, I really, yeah. I really like that beginning uh, instrumental. And um, the band, uh, ni- the nineteen seventy five, um, they actually took the main guitar part uh, from the song uh, and have unceremoniously. They do this with a lot of artists, uh, but they kind of I don't I'm trying to remember the the word for it. Um, why can't I remember? Why can't my brain work? They interpolated uh, disorder on their song. Give yourself a try. Uh, all the way back in like 2016, 2017, I want to say. Um, but yeah, uh, I think it's a great song, great album. Jesse, what are your thoughts? What are your opinions? I know you haven't really listened to a lot of Joy Division, so as an, uh, as an intro to Joy Division, I like I said, I I really like the hook gets you right in. I really didn't think it would be that depressing. Like you were talking about this whole album. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really like this first song. I don't know the rest of, you know, the album. So, yeah, but all I could go off is disorder and I, I really dug it. But let me ask you this, right? Would you listen to the whole album based on the song? Would this be like a good enough? Um, I mean, know? I would. Yeah, I didn't. I'd have to take it, you know, one by one. Yeah. But I, yeah, I mean, I do like it. I, I dig it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, another part I really like about it, too. I don't want to dwell on it too long, but um, towards the end, it all starts to build. It's this very anxious build up. Mm-hmm. Um, where they're like, um, like the bass is jumping around and the drums are really building up and the whole thing kind of falls apart at the end as he's going feeling, 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 feeling. It's, I really like it. Um, you know, I, I feel for Ian Curtis, uh, with the depression and anxiety, mm-hmm. uh, you know, rest in peace to a great one. Cause you know, he was awesome. And then the, all the remaining members went on to form new order and, you know that has a life of its own as well um i i do really like though in this day and age peter hook um he really he's still very grateful for joy division for his friend ian and um he does tours where he plays through all of uh unknown pleasures and uh their second album closer and um and and just you know is there a a reason is like New Order named after Disorder because like Disorder is their first song on their first album. You know, I don't know. And um then, like now it's the New Order. That's something I have to look up. That that's that's an interesting idea. I'm not sure if that's I I always thought of it as a New Order as in you know, this is like our this is the new the, like the new age basically. Mm-hmm. Like we're different. Um you know, because again, when he you can't you couldn't have Joy Division without Ian Curtis. So, yeah. um, you know, and they all decided to to move on and do something different. Um, and you know, it worked out. But, but yeah, no. Um, I I'd have to look into that because I didn't see anything about that. But I'll look mm-hmm. into New Order. Um, and I'll I'll let you know. I'll find out. But <laughs> uh, Jesse, for your best album openers, what's the uh? The first song you got on your list. First song I have is Coming Up from McCartney 2. Ah, I love this. Good song. Love this song. Love this album. Honestly, this album, one of my favorite McCartney albums. This is the second album that McCartney did all alone. Yep. uh, Where he did all the drums, the bass, guitars, vocals, everything. Paul McCartney, the man who invented heavy metal, the man who invented bedroom indie music. (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> Pretty he, much. He invented it all. He did it all. Pretty much with this album. I mean, this was his 11th album after the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he did McCartney, the first McCartney album, which came out in 70. And then 10 years later, in 80, he released McCartney 2. Yep. Uh, and in between, uh, he had nine other albums with Wings and his wife, Linda McCartney. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we got songs like Coming Up, Temporary Secretary, On the Way, Waterfalls, Nobody Knows, Front Parlor. It's just the list goes on. And then there's my favorite, which is actually like a bonus song on the album, which is uh, Check My Machine. Mm-hmm. You know that song? I'm vaguely aware of it. It's yeah. really fun. It's yeah. I, I don't really know how to describe it other other than it's just like an electronic music song, which is kind of fun. Yeah, he experimented uh, a, lot, a lot, especially on this album with uh, early electronic music, which yeah. is very, very interesting to hear. Uh, yeah, I, I gotta say, I think in the trilogy of McCartney albums, because he put out McCartney three what like a year or two ago. Yeah, this is my favorite. This is also my favorite. McCartney two, I think, is the best in terms of the track list, and coming up as an opener is just. Yeah, Chef's and he was pretty much at his peak with his voice. You know, yeah. he, he he wasn't uh, his voice wasn't aging too much at this point. You know, yep. And that's why McCartney three maybe suffers a little bit is because of his aging voice. Um, you know, we I'm still grateful he's putting out new stuff, and and it doesn't sound bad. McCartney three, it actually it's got some really good songs on it. Yeah, but I mean, he's not going to be. The same, you know, but I mean, no, the fact no. that he and it's did, also it's forty years later. Yeah, yeah, you know. I'm saying in terms of, um, you know, mainly just like the composition. It really has nothing to do with his voice. I mean, uh, like you know, a couple of years ago he put out Egypt Station, and that legitimately <laughs> has like a couple of good songs on it, mm-hmm. not including Fu You. Okay, we're not. Gonna, <laughs> I don't want to talk about Fu You right now, but like the lead single, uh, Come On to Me. Yeah, that's a great track. That is a great I, track. I I really like that track and his vocals. Listen, the man uses a little auto tune. So does everybody in the music industry. It's pretty standard, mm-hmm. and I it's really just the composition on McCartney three. I don't like a lot of the songs. I'm not a huge fan of. You know, he's tried a lot of ground, and I'm just scared that he's getting to a point where he's starting to retread it. But also, he's Paul McCartney. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. You know what? This, like I wish. I wish that McCartney 3 came out like 30 years ago mm-hmm. because songs like Lavatory Lil and Sliding could have been so freaking cool with peak McCartney vo- vocals. Yeah. But, and we're not talking about McCartney 3. We're talking about McCartney 2. Yeah. But Jess, McCartney Jesse, two. Jesse, what about, what about coming up? Why <laughs> is this such a great opener? Because it's, it just, it sets the, the, like you like you're saying and we're going to say a couple more times it sets the tone for okay we're kind of back to just the roots of Paul McCartney mm-hmm. it's not very crazy when it comes to the composition and also everything about the song is kind of just fun and kind of not not goofy but you know whimsical if you will yeah and the one of my favorite parts about this song is also the music video which when we talk about our favorite music videos this is totally going to be on there i'm so now so so happy that you brought the music video up because the the music music video video is so great is great with all of the instruments being played by paul you know they're using uh split screens 
uh, for him to be in all the different places at once. It's it's very revolutionary, I would say. It's very like innovative that music video. Uh, yeah, especially for eighty. The, yeah, in him being in the different places at once. Very quickly though, I'm going to interrupt you. The mm-hmm. my favorite thing about this music video is that he makes a reference because he references, I think, all the like major historical figures and people that he loves, mm-hmm. like the influences of his. And one of the bands that he references is an English band called Sparks. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Sparks, um, but they are a really incredibly underrated band. Uh, uh, Well, actually, they're not uh, English. They're from California, but they sound English. Let's just say it like that. Um, but that guy who's on the keyboard with the Hitler mustache. Yeah, uh, that's Ron. He's he's doing ron mail who's the keyboardist for sparks okay um so it's they talk about it uh edgar wright uh has like a two and a half hour documentary that he made about sparks that's really good the sparks brothers it's called Mm -hmm. um highly recommend it but i'm I'm gonna let you take it back sorry i just wanted to mention that no that's that's cool yeah i really my favorite character is uh is when paul just plays paul from the beatles era yeah uh on his bass young paul and yeah and every time you hear the you you see his head kind of like uh, do the shake, the yeah. classic Beatles shake. Um, but yeah, coming up, I just love this song, and they they do a really good job. They have a uh, a live at uh, Glasgow version of the song. I think that's mm-hmm. the the venue's name. I don't even know which is actually the more popular version of the song. Oh, the live version because every time I hear it on the radio, it's the live version, and I don't know why I. I much prefer the the recorded version, but mm-hmm. I mean the live version is pretty good too. It's got a different uh, a different tempo to it. I just love I love how upbeat the song is. It just it is so energetic and mm-hmm. it just feels like you're getting hit with a ray of sunshine. Mm-hmm. It is it's it's just so it's dancey, it's fun, it's it is. You're right. It is a return to roots for him, especially after all the stuff he did in Wings. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, you know, I, I, I just, I also love the, um, how it sounds too, because it sounds like he recorded it in his bedroom. Like, and that's kind of what he did. He recorded, he recorded all this stuff by himself, you know, at home. So, um, yeah, yeah, man, good choice. It's a great song and, uh, love McCartney too. And also, uh, wonderful Christmas time is on this album Uh, on the, uh, the deluxe version of the album that it is wonderful christmas time a song that i'm staple. sure we'll 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 be speaking about when it's christmas time yes i remember you showed me wonderful christmas time cuz did uh, which one did i show you did i show you the acapella one with ah oh, what the hell straight no chaser or did i show you the regular wonderful christmas time you showed me the regular and then the wonderful christmas time cuz i think you also were trying to do for our film class yes a, copy version of it um and it was just the first time i ever heard it and then obviously as we got older that was your first time hearing it yeah as we got older and we started working jobs there's like isn't there like two versions of it like there's one that's like just him or is it just it's just really long it's a very weird song (laughs) it's it's yeah (laughs) the four minute song and the fucking sleigh bells and the the simply having wonderful christmas time it's just such an odd 
odd track okay there goes my mouse it fell on the floor shite okay well that's okay because i got my my fourth song up here uh if you're ready jesse if you're ready to talk about it i i am ready all right well moving on uh the next song that i'd like to speak about is a song by an artist i've already spoken about and this will be the case going forward i'm going to talk a lot about this artist because they're one of my favorite bands uh but the next song that i've chosen is let it happen Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's off of Tame Impala's 2015 album Currents. Uh, Tame Impala, of course, uh, singer songwriter, composer, producer Kevin Parker. It's his project, uh, and this is the first song on Currents, his 2015 album. I would say Great album. his his breakthrough record. Um, Inner Speaker, amazing record. Lonerism my favorite record just celebrated its 10th anniversary this album though this is what has made team impala this is what really brought him into the mainstream brought you know with the less i know the better being on this album that single blowing up massive huge um but yeah uh this is the lead single off of currents it marks a change in Tame Impala's sound. Very more dancey electronic approach to the music. There is the undertone of the rock theme, but there's a lot more synth usage that happens on this album. I love this song. Uh, I remember listening to the first time our friend from high school, Nick Regali, showed it to me, and this was one of my introductions. He introduced me to Tame Impala. Uh, this is I one did, of the I first songs. That. Yeah. I was hanging out at his house one day, and um he showed me um like the less i know the better uh he showed me um some stuff on lonerism he showed me oh god um i I can't i can't fucking remember the name of the song for the life of me um but uh oh god i i hate i hate my brain right now it's just uh fogging up but anyway um he showed me a bunch of this and one of the songs was this and it blew my mind the song is like eight minutes long and it's just, it's a journey. It is an epic. And um, the lyrics themselves, and it's kind of like the theme of the album. The lyrics, the song is about, like, the chaos of life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like unforeseen forces that you cannot fight. Um, and it's about letting go. It's just letting go and letting the change take you and, 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 there's a the line it's the second verse of the song i really like um i heard about a whirlwind that's coming around it's going to carry off all that isn't bound and when it happens when it happens i won't be holding on like i love that the the idea of a hurricane just lifting you off and taking you out you can't get out of the way life is that hurricane um the album is about change the currents that kevin parker talks about that the the album is based around it's like the unstoppable life forces that promote personal growth you just have to move with the current you can't fight the current you know you ever try fighting a current when you're swimming you get sucked out to sea yeah but um you know musically i love this it's that the driving drums on it like that very disco-y loop i love his like very spacey vocals it's a dance track, but it's introspective, you know, like you could have an existential crisis to this song because it does make you think it makes you think about life and it makes you think about, you know, your own personal, uh, you know, 
journey and things going on, the changes, the, the, the happenings, the unstoppable life forces in your life. And I love that, especially as an opening track. I mean, it is long, um, but it is just the entire time. It has these different sections to it. You kind of get into a trance in it. I think my favorite part of the whole song is towards the end. There's this like distorted uh, bass breakdown where he comes in with his distorted bass guitar and uh, does this. It's really good. I don't want to do it over and over because I'll know the shit out of people, but it's great. I think again, tone setter. It is, it, it, it is employing the main theme of the album. It is establishing the new sound that this album is going to explore and expand upon. And I think it is a perfect album opener. Jesse, what did you think of uh, Let It Happen? I'm sure you've heard this song before. Oh, no, yeah, I know this song. I, I love this album. My favorite thing about this song is around the three and a half minute mark yeah. when uh, the the beat and the whole, the, everything in the song kind of keeps skipping. And going back and back, and it just keeps playing over and over again. When I first heard this song, I thought there was something wrong with my player. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was playing, and I was like, oh, shit, this this is skipping like like crazy. And then it finally, you know, starts back up. Yep, it resolves. There's a lot of that. There's He plays with, like, the the high and low pass filters and, and kind of fades things out. Mm-hmm. And it, that's where you kind of get that dancey little edge to it when he does shit like that, where he's you know repeating and cutting the track almost like a DJ would. Yeah, this this song is this is a really good dance floor song. Maybe and if it, you know a little shorter. I got to see this. He opened with this. Um, I got to see him back in twenty nineteen eighteen. I have the poster you were on you my were wall. you were still here. You were uh, you saw it with Kevin, didn't you? Yes, August twenty first, twenty nineteen. I'm looking at the poster right now on my wall. Mm. Um, is when I saw him and he opened with this at MSG, and it was especially his awesome. his visuals, his live visuals. It was fucking crazy. It was so good. It was such a great time. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Um. I think you should listen to the album in full because it's got a bunch of really good songs. Oh, on I have. It besides, have you? You have listened to to yeah. Currents all the way through. Yeah, <laughs> I love. Um, I love eventually. Mm. Um, I love. Uh, I'm a man. Um, God, I haven't listened to the full album in a long time though, and I really should do that because it's I just such a good life. Past life, I think. Um. I'm trying to remember the song before it uh, that happens with Past Life. It's also great. Well, past um, Life is before uh, is right after Less I Know the Better. No, there's a song in between there. It's like a it's like a mini song. I wouldn't say it's like a full song. No, between yeah, no. I, I let me hold on. Yeah, no. It's uh, song seven is Less I Know the Better, and then song eight is Past Life. Oh, okay. So it's the song after Past Life. Excuse me. It's Disciples. Oh, gotcha. it is this. It's only one minute, 48 seconds. It's so good, though. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Yeah. Um, the whole just the whole album is fucking awesome. And, and it's just it's it's an experience. Anybody who hasn't listened to this, go out, listen to it, get high, listen to it, you know, like do that. It's fun. It's a good time. You don't have to get high. It'll definitely it'll enhance it. But um I recommend if you're going to listen to even just listen to let it happen, list ride the whole album out because it's a it's an experience from front to back. But yeah, man, 
I'm glad you like it. I'm glad you listened to it, the whole yeah. album. Um, but what is your next song that you want to talk about? All right. My next song is Where Have All the Good Times Gone mm. from Van Halen's Diver Down. Interesting choice. Yes. Uh, what is your, before I get into it, what's your relationship like with Van Halen? I like Van Halen. I mean, I'm not like a huge hair metal person, mm-hmm. but out of all those types of bands, I'd say that Van Halen's definitely a top three. I mean, I think in terms of sound uh, and the guitar work from Eddie Van Halen, like technically they're such a solid band. Um What's the lead singer's name? Uh, David Lee Roth. David Lee Roth's vocals are iconic. You know? Um, I don't listen to a lot of it now. I listened to some of it in high school, especially like when I started collecting vinyl records and I got uh, 1984 on vinyl. And then I remember I saw this in a thrift store. I saw Diver Down and I got Diver Down on uh, in the the unique thrift store on Long Island. Uh, But... um, I've never listened to this album in full. Uh, Dude, this this album is really good. It's let me go into it for a second. It's yeah. actually so the band put out uh, "Pretty Woman," mm-hmm. uh, and that became such a hit that the record label was like, "Hey, we we want you to do more of that. We want you to do uh, a whole cover album." Yeah, and they were like, um, "No, we're not doing a whole cover. We'll put covers on a song on an album." Mm-hmm we're not doing a full cover album yeah uh and that's how this was created so they have out of the 12 songs that are on the album five of them are covers oh yeah and what five of those are covers knew you were gonna ask me that uh well this song is a cover uh where have all the good times gone okay what is Pretty it woman. so what's the original song then oh it's a it's a kinks song oh okay yeah, ray, ray davies okay so they did that one i don't have the rest of the list let me go look at it I know that dancing in the sh- dancing in the street is on there. Okay, that's a that's a great song too. Where have all the good times gone? Mm-hmm. Pretty woman dancing in the street. I believe Big Bad Bill is a cover, mm-hmm. and Hang 'Em High. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I believe those are the five. But out of the the five, obviously, this is the this is the first one on the album. And it just kind of represents what the album is going to be like when it comes to the tone, mm-hmm. because they change it up so much from the original, because the original is kind of like more chillaxed. Yeah. Uh, when Ray Davies did it with Kinks. Mm-hmm. This is actually the second song that they covered by the Kinks. They, the first one was uh, You Really Got Me. I, I mean, uh, their cover of You Really Got Me is iconic. Yeah. I love I, the cover of you really good. I, I don't. I, I kind of is a toss up for me if it's better than the original because it's just so crazy. Yeah, they make it their, their own. They really do. They, yeah. Well, the reason why they they chose a kink song to do is actually because when the band was first starting, all they were playing was kinks songs. Really? Yeah, they would play. They would learn their songs front to back, okay. and just keep playing those. So when it came time to actually record songs. Well, first they did, you know, you really got me, mm-hmm. and then when they needed to do more covers, they're like, "Oh, let's do another King song." Yeah, and that's how they that's how they came up with that. Ray Davies actually said that they they took the song, "I'm Thrilled with It," and they just took it a step up, which is pretty good praise from the 
you know, the original writer. Yep. This is actually the band's like least favorite album. I could, I mean, I could understand why, because you're forced to do a bunch of covers yeah, by your record that's, label. That's their reasoning. You know, I, I get that, but, um, but for me, this album, what it's honestly, it's probably my favorite Van Halen album. It's just so many classics on it. And you, if you blast this in the car, you're just going to want to like headbang to this, this whole album pretty much. I will say as somebody who doesn't listen casually to a lot of Van Halen anymore, um, mm-hmm. I really like this track and I thought I was like, wow, I, you know what? Actually, this is a this is a, this is a good song. This is this is a pretty solid Van Halen song. Yeah, and it's not you know it's not even a Van Halen song. It's you know it's obviously the Kinks. Yeah, but the the way they invent the they reinvent the song is just incredible. Uh, and I think I have my dad to thank for this album being in my life because he listens to this album and he loves this album. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he this this one goes out to my dad. Thank you, Dad, for. Uh, getting this uh especially van halen on my radar as a child thank you papa keller yeah the man the myth the legend eric eugene this one's for you yes thank you eric shout out to eric (laughs) yeah man i i i gotta take a look at this album um and give it a a fun one because i've never i've never sat through it i like the cover art um yeah it's actually the the cover art is actually the the scuba flag when someone is scuba diving for a, for somebody for a diver down huh yeah why'd they call it diver down do you know hmm i i don't remember i know i know the answer because my my dad told me about it uh i think it's just because they want the, they wanted to go below the surface of what they did mhm i think that's what it was it was like to dig deeper to di- yeah to go deeper into more of them mm-hmm. which is kind of ironic because by going deeper into their sound they're dipping their toes into other people's music you know you know i want to say that my chemical romance also have a cover of hang em high but i'm not sure because i know they have a song called hang em high i just don't know if it's the same song i'm gonna have to get back to you on that uh-huh. but uh i see that and i was like hmm, maybe that'd be pretty funny if they decided to cover van halen's cover of a cover that'd be pretty great mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, great choice. I really, I, when it came on, I was, I was head banging a little bit as much as I can right now, but, um, mm-hmm. it's good to write to. It was really, uh, energetic and I love David Lee Roth. He's, I don't know if you've ever watched him, uh, interview on Rogan, Joe Rogan's interview with him. Uh, no, I, I don't watch Rogan. He's a fucking madman. He's crazy. He's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I, I was so, <laughs> I was so lucky. My dad took me to go see Van Halen at Jones beach. Mm-hmm. I want to say six years ago. I think Tyler was like just about to be two. Mm-hmm. Um, we went over this summer and my dad surprised me with the tickets. And I was like, hey, we're going to Van Halen tonight. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay. Um, so we went and I feel so lucky now being able to have seen them because da- uh, because Eddie Van Halen is no longer with us. Yeah. And that lineup, it wasn't with Sammy Hagar. It was with David Lee Roth. Yeah. Which is, you know, my preferred choice of the Van Halen eras. As is mine. Uh, but getting to see them and everything was just looking back on it, you know, great. And Eddie did a 20-minute guitar solo. That 
that's Eddie Van Halen for you right there. I mean, yeah. I don't think anybody else could do that shit. No. Yeah. Uh, it was crazy. And rest in peace to Eddie Van Halen. Yes, rest in peace. All right, Gabe. Well, What's my next, next one? my next song I'm going to talk about, Jesse. Um, this I don't I don't know how you're going to feel about this one because I feel like you haven't listened to a lot of Frank Ocean. Um, I feel like I've tried to force you to listen <laughs> to some Frank Ocean, and especially since you're around Dylan a lot, you've probably listened to some Frank Ocean. <laughs> but the song that I have uh, chosen um, for my next uh, song brain it's not you but god jesus oh no i'm having an aneurysm um let me restart the next song i'm talking about is from i think the best album of the 2010s by far uh it is nikes and it's the opening track from frank ocean's 2016 album blonde his second studio album this was the lead single off of Blonde, if you could really call it that, because this whole album dropped day and date. Um, I don't want to get too much into the history of Blonde right now, because I think it is one of the greatest um, musical, I want to say heists, but Frank Ocean played the music industry. He, very quickly, I'll, I'll just say, he released an album before this called Endless, um, mm-hmm. but for some reason, Blonde is his second studio album. Endless is in a way, I'd say it's kind of like a comparison piece to this. Um, and it was a, he released it with a, it's a, it's a visual album too. He released it with, it's like an hour long video of him building a, or a movie of him building a staircase. I've never listened to Endless. Uh, if that makes me a fake Frank Ocean fan, so be it. Um, but it's not on Spotify. I think it's on apple music um because he he released uh blonde i think almost exclusively to apple music i want to say um but essentially in 2016 he released endless and this fulfilled his contractual obligation to his then record label def jam records uh who Mm -hmm. he was not happy with because he was not getting enough money from them while he was recording endless quotation marks underneath that jesse he was recording blonde using their money their resources and making the greatest album of 2016 the greatest album of the 2010s one of the greatest albums of the 2010s at least it's in contention Mm -hmm. okay and he pulled a fast one on def jam he released endless which to my understanding isn't a bad album but it's not blonde and then released blonde the following day after he came out with endless and took 100% of the royalties from it. I think he wow. made 10 million from blonde. That's crazy. In just that's the money he was able to take away from that in the beginning. He's probably made countless millions of dollars now. And you know, he hasn't put out any new music in a little bit. Will he ever come back to music? I don't know, but at least we have blonde and we have Nike's. Um, lyrically, I don't think I am qualified to talk a lot about Frank Ocean's lyrics because this man is a master lyricist. He writes double, triple entendres into his music. Just from the first line alone, these bitches want Nikes. They're looking for a check. I tell them it ain't likely. Mm-hmm. 
looking for a check means multiple things. They're looking for money. They're looking for a check. They're looking for cash. They're looking for a pair of shoes, a pair of nice shoes, Nikes. They're looking for a check as in they're looking for the validation from social media getting verified. Only this man can do this, okay? Only this man. And the whole song is just filled. I highly recommend. Go to Genius. Go to, you know, they'll break it down. Each line has like four or five different meanings to it. He's just, he's incredible. He builds uh, this, just everything he needs to say within these first couple of lines uh, and, and throughout the song. And it just has so much context to it and background. Um, For the first time today, I watched the music video for this song. I didn't know there was a fucking music video for this song, but there is. Uh, and it has an alternate version of the track that I'm not a huge fan of. And apparently there are actually three different versions of this song. There's a version that was released um, with his magazine, Boys Don't Cry, that was a pop from his like pop-up shops that he had all around the U.S. during the release of this album during the album's rollout that has a Japanese uh, artist do a third verse towards the end. Um, But I think in terms of an opening track, you want to talk about tone. This album is about, it's about relationships. It's about Frank's relationship with somebody that changed him. Um, That, you know, basically kind of shaped who he is as a person. I think this is a great introduction. It's, it's just so atmospheric. And at first, I'll be honest, I didn't like this track. Uh, Dylan, our good friend Dylan Wozniak, showed me this song, and he's a huge Frank Ocean fan, and I have only him to credit with my love of this album. And when he first showed me this song, I did not like it because I didn't like the pitched-up vocals uh, in the first half of the song, and a lot of mm-hmm. people might not like that. It's weird. Um, some artists do that. Um, but I, you know, over time, I've grown to appreciate it. I look past it because of the other aspects of the track. The track's just so spacey and very dreamlike. Um, I equated it to, it's almost like um, when you're drunk, you know, um, you know, and you kind of get that moment of clarity, you know, like you get a little soberness hitting you. Um, like almost being in a haze and having it clear like a fog. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just, he's an insane writer, you know? And I love, really love the second half of the song the most where it kind of, you get this like, uh, this like acoustic guitar and the Mellotron and yeah, it's just, it's beautiful. It's atmospheric. Blonde is an all time great album. It is a classic. Frank Ocean is one of the best artists of the generation. I have more to say about him uh, down the line to talk about other songs, especially up blonde. But Jesse, I'm really interested to hear what you have to say, because I know in my heart of hearts that you are not a big Frank Ocean listener. And I don't know personally how much Frank Ocean you have been exposed to. So I'd really like to know what you thought of this song. Uh, I've probably heard other songs on blonde. Uh, or Channel Orange. Mm-hmm. I know those are his two albums. Yeah. Um. Eh. Just I'm I'm not the biggest Frank Ocean fan. I'll just put it that way. 
it's nothing against him. It's it's just not my type of music. Uh, this song is this song is fine. Uh, I see a lot in the song. Uh, the, the the lyrics are great. You're definitely right. He is a very good lyricist. Mm-hmm. Um, the only song by Frank Ocean that I actually genuinely like. Oh it's God. A f- 40 second song it's not even a song it's like it's, an interlude yep and it's called fertilizer oh my god <laughs> from channel orange it's the third track and oh dude fertilizer fertilizer jesus I, I, christ it's just so it's so weird yeah it's just a, about a man talking about fertilizer i'm a frank ocean fan i love the 40 second interlude on <laughs> channel orange no no that's the thing is i don't like anything really besides that because it's just goofy and it's about fertilizer you know i'll say this this album's not for everyone he's not for everyone but i will say i think it is a time and a place type thing mm-hmm. i think jesse in your life if you experience relationship issues or especially in, in your romantic life, you know, if you get to a point where you're feeling depressed and down about love and shit like that, I implore you to revisit this album and I implore you to listen to it then. Because for me, I didn't like this album either when I first listened to it, but then when I needed it, it was there. And that's how a lot of music for me that I love has worked. Eventually, over time, things click. But I think it's all circumstantial. You could hate a song today, but maybe a couple years down the line. Or not even hate, but dislike. You could not like something right now. Yeah. But eventually, maybe at some point, life will put you in a circumstance where when you listen to it, Mm -hmm. it'll click. So I'm going to say I'm going to make the investment of Frank Ocean on you. There will be a time in your life where you will experience Frank Ocean type feelings. Come back to the album. Listen I to I mean I hope so. I'm not for the feelings, but to be able to enjoy Frank Ocean because a lot of people really like him and I just oh, it's just not my cup of tea. But you know it's all right. I don't shit on anyone's parade about it. You know, if someone puts it on in the car, I probably won't recognize that it's him. Yeah. Which is probably half the time what happens with either Mike or Dylan when we're in the car. I could probably hear a Frank Ocean song and just not know it. Yeah. But, you know, at least, um, excuse me, you are, you're open, you know, to listening to it. And mm-hmm. and I like that, you know. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of when people just shut themselves off, like, you know, they're not Nah, with willing. music, you can't do that. No, you gotta be, but again, I also understand, um, Things take time, you know. It's not it's not for everybody. It wasn't for me at first, certainly. It took a long time. It took maybe a year for me to revisit Blonde, and then I realized I'm like, what was I missing the entire time? Because it finally fucking clicked. So I'm just waiting for that day, Jesse, that it'll finally click with you. It'll mm-hmm. finally click, and then we can both talk about it. But, uh, yeah. Um, Hopefully. The next song, Jesse, that you want to talk about, what what is it? The next song, my third song, is one that is from an album that is some, probably one of my favorites, even though it wasn't in my all-time favorites. It's mm-hmm. probably probably makes the top 20. You can have a favorite way. album that isn't one of your favorite artists. Um, no, this is one of my favorite artists. Oh, Pink Floyd was on there. Okay, Pink Floyd. Shine On, You Crazy Diamond, mm-hmm. parts one through five. 
think it's one through five. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from Wish You Were Here. Yeah, Wish You Were Here. The reason why our our, <laughs> our playlist is so long, we all have these these eight nine minute this songs this, that you come this in song here is thirteen, 13 minutes. minutes. Yeah, <laughs> thirteen minutes long. This is the longest song that we've probably had on any of the playlists. Yeah, it's it's an experience. This this song, excuse me, this song in particular is an experience. I agree. The whole album, you could say, is it's it's a when it comes to how many tracks are on the album. If because technically, when you're looking at it digitally, uh, even on the actual album itself, it shows up as like this. Uh, this part of Shine On You Crazy Diamond is technically one part, even though they say one through five. Uh, and then there's only there's only five s- tracks on the digital album. Which is Shine On, You Crazy Diamond, Parts 1 through 5, Welcome to the Machine, Have a Cigar, Wish You Were Here, and then Shine On, You Crazy Diamond, Parts 6 through 9. 69. <laughs> uh, but this song is is about the uh, is about the band talking about Sid Barrett. Mm-hmm. This, this whole album is pretty much dedicated to him. He was a founding member of Pink Floyd, but was then kicked out in... 1968 because of his mental health and his LSD abuse. I don't know if you if you knew that. At yeah, all. I know he um <clears throat> he did a lot of psychedelic drugs and he lost his mind and um yep and that's yep. why uh, this this song this album was made because you know they wish he was with them. Yep, and it's it's kind of like a saying sorry in a way, but also uh, praising him and about how he was and their feelings towards him as an artist. Yeah. They describe, uh, they, they use like metaphors like the sun with his massive potential of creativity. Yeah. Uh, and the black holes are like the loss of his memory and like his identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, sadly, he died at the age of 60. Yeah. From pancreatic cancer in 2006. Yep. Uh, but this, this album is is just genius you could you could like i i've actually fallen asleep to this album in a good way like mm-hmm. i don't it's not boring where i just pass out yeah but the the both shine on you crazy diamond tracks are so like you feel like you're in space i think you just said that right with one of your songs yeah with a well i mean with i mean like with nikes and with let it happen but it is very trance like the first uh I mean, the, David, the first guitar, yeah, like the, the guitar part of don, 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 yeah, it's iconic. Yeah. It's kind of scary. It's a, it's, it is scary. It is eerie. It is very eerie. And when, if you were to just listen to it, it's a slower burn of a of a track because it is that thirteen minutes long. Yeah, but it's it's thirteen minutes of an experience. You know, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of "Welcome to the Machine." I know mm-hmm. that might be controversial to some people, uh, but "Have a Cigar" one of my favorite Pink Floyd tracks, and that's not even from someone who's in Pink Floyd. I forget the exact artist who does the vocals on that song, but he's not even part of the band. Yeah, <laughs> which that is was funny. that was the first Pink Floyd song I ever heard. Which one? "Have, Have a, a cigar? cigar." Yeah, 
Really? Yeah, my dad used to reference it all the time, my mom too, and then I uh, I listened to it. That was like the first, like, Wish You Were Here was kind of like my first introduction to uh, Pink Floyd. Huh, I didn't um, know that. You know, I, man. What is, yeah, what do you got on this one? You know, Sid Barrett, man, what a guy. He, he you're right, the potential lost, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, due to his, you know, the LSD abuse and the the mental illness that ensued from that, mm-hmm. um, I think this song itself. I mean, it's it's a journey, kind of like how I was talking about "Let It Happen." It's like this very epic, you know, evolving kind of thing. I think the same thing about this. You know, it just. You kind of, it starts out with like the synths and then it starts building. And I mean, they don't even say any lyrics to like eight minutes into the song. Yeah. They don't start singing. And, um, you know, I, I really like that Shine On You Crazy Diamond is an acronym for Sid. Uh, I like, I think it's a very tasteful um, and somber, uh, you know, kind of tribute to their friend. Um, and, you know, somebody who's very important to them and influential to them. Um, and I, I don't have much to add on it. It's iconic. It's an iconic album. It's iconic album art. It is an iconic track list. Uh, you know, personally, I mean, I, I like when I first started learning to play guitar, I learned how to play Wish You Were Here. Yeah, that's kind of like you know? a beginner's track and because of how easy it is. And it's that's a, also, you know, I love... I love that song so much as well, but I really like, you know, I like what you said, the, um, the kind of like the musical illusions, the, that they make the whole, um, him being this shining sun of mm-hmm. a person, maybe not even the potential, but maybe just his personality, the person that he was before yeah. he, you know, got so sick and, um, <clears throat> and to have that kind of like taken away from him. I wish I I wish I remembered the the entire story. I know that there's a there's a fantastic documentary on the making of this album. Mm. It's a beautiful documentary. It's not that long either. I think it's only fifty minutes, something like that. It's kind of short, uh, but they go through the whole thing. And when I was in London, mm-hmm. I went to the Pink Floyd exhibit that they were having, which oh. I kind of lucked out because when my mom and I went, they had just opened up. Mm. It was perfect timing for us too, because you know the two of us being such big, big, such big Pink Floyd fans, we get to go and we got to see the outtakes, if you will, of the the actual album art. Oh, which is cool. That's cool. I have a few pictures of it on my phone. I'll send it over to you to, so you could see them too. Yeah. But the the man on fire. Spoiler alert! That's real. You know, mm-hmm. this is 1975 here. This isn't, you know, yesterday where you could pretend to light someone on fire for a photo. Yeah. That man was actually on fire. And boy, does that, like, stick in your mind, I feel. It is, it's the, because, you know, I guess I don't, I I don't know too much about the themes outside of it, you know, being a lot about Sid, but the album art kind of maybe construing because, you know, you have songs like Welcome to the Machine, Have a Cigar, about being, you know, about the music industry a little bit, especially mm-hmm. Have a Cigar. 
and I feel like <clears throat> that the album art that them shaking hands, the the main guy with the briefcase and the guy with the the guys on fire, mm-hmm. it's almost like making a deal with the devil, you know, um, you know, or something, or even like you know maybe tentatively setting yourself on fire. I don't know, but um, I'm not exactly sure I was going with that. But yeah, love I love this song. It's great, great album. Um, top three Pink Floyd albums for me um for sure i'd say it's up there with uh uh the wall and uh dark side dark side for sure i mean I the, love yeah those side. are their those are definitely their essentials yeah i love um, dark side just for how you know um i mean the wall is great uh for like its narrative mm-hmm. um but dark side for how influential it is and how just different it is and it just every track is something else but yeah man it's a good choice solid choice Thank you, friend. All right, what do we got next? This is uh, now your number two. Yeah, second to last song I'm going to talk about today. Um, David Bowie's 1971 album, Hunky Dory, mm-hmm. uh, had this opening track, a little song you might know, Jesse. It's called Changes. Um, it's the first single off this album. It had the B-side album track, Andy Warhol, which is another song that's on this uh, album that I love. Um, this song, I didn't know this, was a commercial flop at the time. Really? Despite it being today, I would say known as one of David Bowie's best known songs. Yeah, but there's a reason for it being one of David Bowie's, I mean, especially in our generation. Yeah. Which you know what I'm talking about, or do you not know? Mm, No, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the classic Shrek 2. You know, <clears throat> I was going to talk about that because um, did you know that for the Shrek 2 cover, Jesse, uh-huh. um, because there was a band that covered uh, changes, he actually provided new vocals uh, for that band uh, for them to cover changes. Wait, really? Yep. Yes, huh. he did. Um, I can't remember the name of the band when I was researching it. I saw that. Um. To me, I don't necessarily associate it with Shrek Two, but I do. But uh, listen, I mean, I, I I'm a I'm a huge Bowie fan outside. Yeah, of it, but I love Hunky Dory. I think Hunky Dory is a great album. It's the precursor to um, Spiders from Mars. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it, it it's it's quirky. It's not the you know it's not every track is a hit. It's a lot of piano ballads. You got Life on Mars. Um, you have, uh, God, Oh, You Pretty Things, which is the second song. It's just one of my favorites. Queen Bitch is on this album. Uh, he has like a couple covers. Um, he has the song Kooks, uh, which is about, uh, his family. It's about, uh, his son who is, uh, critically acclaimed director Duncan Jones. He directed such films as moon warcraft warcraft <laughs> mute yeah um i like duncan jones i think he's good i like moon and um i i didn't hate the warcraft movie i think the warcraft movie is actually pretty solid but yeah uh this song i didn't really even know this either and i'm gonna call myself out here um i didn't really i never really knew what the song was about um it's about kind of like david bowie's it's about reinvention. It's about going away from the mainstream and it's a, it's about, it's about new artistic vision. The whole 
this, this David Bowie said like the first part of the song that opening the still not sure what I'm looking for that's uh that's him talking about um like his previous musical iterations because I don't know if you know this but when David Bowie first started putting out music he it wasn't good it was it was it was a flop um his early stuff isn't great like the David Bowie self-titled album is kind of bad is it um, really yeah it's not good um space oddity's okay a space oddity was huge but again right time right place that song he came out with that song when uh you know the space race was happening and uh you know we were landing on the fucking moon you know he popped off at the right time with that one uh and uh, you know then um he had uh the man who sold the world which is in my opinion one of his best albums and not just for the title track it is this really just sick it's got like prog rock elements to it it is it's just it is a it just slaps it's baller it's such a good record i employ you to check it out because it's very much a. it's like a rock i would say it's got like really heavy influences of yes on it um it's got a couple of really great songs on it as long as as well as a song that hasn't aged well where he says a couple words in it i'm not going to repeat but he says a couple of obscenities racially charged obscenities in that song that shouldn't have been said but um the song is uh called running gun blues and it's about a guy who goes on a mass shooting but anyway (laughs) uh and then he came out with hunky dory and um i this album is uh it's inspired by uh his life during 71 the birth of his son his experiences uh his first trip to new york um you know about the reinvention about the times to come uh with him you know eventually donning the whole ziggy stardust persona and i love this song as an opening because it does set the stage for that it is upbeat it's a little quirky you know it's funky and a lot of the album is like that too it's very piano driven and the piano is a big player on this album um but i also really like that i think that the song especially for me i never knew that the song was about the music industry i always just thought it was about life it was about it's about embracing the change and the weirdness you know the turn and face the strange um i love the one line in it um and these children that you spit on as they try to change their worlds are immune to your consultations they're quite aware of what they're going through um that line's really about letting a generation make their own mark you know and not stopping people from doing their thing and i think now more than ever you know uh that's a it's a line that is needed to stop the younger gener you know let the younger generation do their thing you know um and innovate do different things stop trying to hold people back um and it's i don't think it's about music anymore you know it's about life and i love this song it's one of my my go-tos you know it's one of my i'm not even gonna say existential crisis songs but it's like an upbeat song for me when i need to feel a little bit happy or i'm feeling a little weird about life i throw on changes because i got sometimes you got to turn the face the strange you got to remember jesse okay time can't change time can change me but you can't change time okay Mm. so words to go by it is it is words to go by what do you think i know 
you've heard this song before. I know that you probably love this song too. Yeah, this is a great Bowie song. Yeah. Uh, I can't speak on the rest of the album, uh, you know, thoroughly, but changes itself. Uh, you kind of hit the chords. Uh, you kind of hit it on the head when you were talking about the piano, because piano is basically front and center of this whole song. Yes. Where he's just hammering on the piano. And he's got the, well, so the funny thing is he actually doesn't play piano on any of these. Um, really? He a, yeah, he is a separate piano player. Um, like for the music video for Life on Mars, he's just fucking around. He had somebody. The, I can't, I don't remember the name of the piano player off the top of my head. I'm, I'm being mm. a really, we're being really bad. We're supposed to talk about music history and I can't tell you who David Bowie's piano player is. And it's funny because I saw an ad for him the other day because he's doing some live show tell all about his time with Bowie and playing a bunch of Bowie oh I thought stuff. you I thought you were about to say that you saw an ad for Bowie and I'm really like uh, no, no 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 he's no, back no. from the dead yeah God but that would make a lot of sense too you know because he's he's a god he's immortal basically except you know he's not he's not with us anymore but yeah yeah um you know this song. This album is especially, it's really influenced by his time in New York. Um, like, Queen Bitch is a song that's about uh, Lou Reed. Uh, Andy Warhol is about Andy Warhol. Wait, it is? Yeah. And the last... Oh, I, yeah. thought, I thought Andy Warhol was about... Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I was just making it up. <laughs> about who? Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, you're so funny, Jesse. Ha ha. Ha ha. Make fun of me. Ha ha. Go ahead. Laugh. Laugh, Jesse. Laugh. Do it. Go ahead, laugh. Yeah. Um, no, uh, it's, it's, you know, his time in 71 is very influential on him and what he would, you know, become and what he would embrace and do and change. And, and yeah, I think this song is an anthem, you know? I think the song, it's almost like, um, kind of like almost how Under Pressure is an anthem, too, you know? Mm -hmm. It's very much uh, a song I think we could all relate to about changes because changes happen every day in our lives, so... Not much yeah. more I have to say about that. Yeah, but shout out to Shrek 2, because that's where I first heard this song. Shout out to Shrek 2, just because it's a great movie, and when we talk about um, music made for movies, I'll probably be reintroducing Shrek 2, Yeah, uh, as there is a song from a very messed up artist on there. Not messed up as in this person's bad, as in they are very dark. And I'm amazed that they ended up in a kids' film. So you know what, Mike Myers, if you're listening, and we know that you are, yeah, make Shrek five. Yeah, stop making your pentaveret bullshit and just make another Shrek movie, and then maybe another Austin Powers. But anyway, Jesse, what is the second to last song that you want to talk about? Second to last song is Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band by uh... the Beatles. Nice. Kind of cheated a little bit because this is technically another Paul McCartney song. Mm -hmm. uh, but it deserves to be on this list because it's a great album opener. I thought this would be your number one. No, number one is going to be something different. Mm -hmm. But this is my number two. No particular order. But this album came out in 67. It's the second album from 67. Their first being uh, Magical Mystery Tour. And the Beatles, their their concept for this album is pretty simple. They are alter egos uh, of another band called, you know, the Lonely Hearts Club Band. 
And this song in particular is Paul McCartney as one of the band members introducing the band. Yes. And he likes to thank the audience for being there. And, you know, there's a, excuse me, I burped. There's a fake audience. I got bad indigestion right now. (laughs) (laughs) Continue. Uh, You know, they're, they're introducing the band and the, you know, the, the, the titular group of the Lonely Hearts Club band mm-hmm. is, is coming out in front of the live in front of the live audience. We have uh, at the end of the song, we have Paul introducing Billy Shears, which is Ringo Starr's alter ego on the album, which then masterfully leads into uh, with a little help from my friends. Yes. Which is, you know, Ringo's signature song. His song. Much. Yes. I mean. There's Why, not time Ringo. When you think of Ringo, you think of this song, you know? We saw Ringo live. We, we did. S- we saw him play that song. I've seen him a few times. He's great. All right, don't brag. I'm saying what? we saw him together. Yes, okay. we did. We saw Beatle. We saw we saw Beatle with uh with the Contis and Billy. And never forget that he went to go take a shit in the <laughs> middle of a set. He just <laughs> this man ran off stage and for 30 minutes these the all-star no end. no not 30 minutes it was, it was like, like it, was, it like, was like 15 minutes it was, it was like, like two three or three songs, songs. Yeah, yeah that he was gone for it was really weird though <laughs> it was strange <laughs> you just see him because we were at that it was like an amphitheater outside yeah. and you just see him go off stage and then go towards the porta potties which was funny yeah it was very 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 funny but <laughs> Um, I think you cheated, man. I got to say, this is such an easy pick. I mean, it's but a great it's a, pick. It has to be on this list, you know? Like, if you if I wasn't going to do it, you would have to do it. I wouldn't have done it because I, w- I, wouldn't, have cho- because I wouldn't have chosen this as, as the best. I got to be honest with you. I love Sgt. Peppers. I love – this is going to be controversial, okay? Yes, I do think it deserves a spot on this list. You know what also deserves a spot on this list? Taxman. You know what also deserves a spot on this list? Come together. You know what also mm. deserves a spot on this list? Back in the USSR, okay? You know what also deserves a spot on this list? Magical Mystery Tour, all right? <laughs> Every Beatles album has the best opening song on it. Yes, <laughs> but that's the thing is this one stands out because of the concept for the album. I agree. Because this brings you on the journey for the band. You know, this isn't just another opener that's you know just a classic opener this this introduces you to the the story if you will you know air quotes on story but it's to introduce the band and who billy shears is in the second song and so on and so forth and it just brings you down that winding road until you get to uh that wasn't a pun by the way the long and winding road it's okay but uh it brings you right back to the reprise at the end of the album yeah of sergeant peppers which i also really like can we're ask, talking about the first song. Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. If you hadn't had to choose this as the best opener, what would you choose? Gun Out of your, the Beatles songs? Gun to your head, best Beatles album opening. Ah, uh, God. I'm about to blow your brains out. You better no, choose I'd, something. Pr- I'd, probably, I'd probably have to say Magical Mystery Tour. I'd say Come Together. I like Come Together, but it's, you know what demotes it for me? What? The f- the fact that there's no meaning behind the song. It's just an fu. I disagree with you. That's the reason why. I yes, mean, I know. Lyrically, I know why. there's no meaning, but yeah. contextually, 
I think, and this is the reason why I would have put that on the list over mm-hmm. Sgt. Pepper. Yes, Sgt. Pepper, iconic album, concept record. You know what? Fuck. I could have put Wouldn't It Be Nice on this list, and I didn't, and I should have, but it's okay, because I, I got the... Like, as in the... The Beach Boys. Okay. Because I'm thinking about this, it's like, you know, without... With, with, Without pet sounds, we wouldn't have Sgt. Pepper type thing. This is true. But when you think about the context of the fact that, like, the Abbey Road's the last Beatles album, you know, Mm -hmm. it's it it is the last Beatles last. It's the last recorded recorded one. So that makes it the last Beatles album, in my opinion. It has a song called "The End." You don't have a song called "The End" and then release another album after it. Uh, well, I mean, it, they they did. Yeah, but, they did, yeah. but I don't I don't agree with it. Okay, let it be comes before it. All right, that's all mm-hmm. I'm saying. Um, I think contextually, when you think about where they were all at, and uh, especially with how like bad things went when recording the White Album, and then the stuff that happened during the Let It Be sessions, I know Come Together is gibberish, but also, you know maybe it's not it's come together they're coming together for the last time yeah. you know like that makes it special to me because mm-hmm. it's like it's the beginning of the you know the last beatles album yeah but i also understand i mean yeah this does sergeant pepper's the the opener deserves a best spot because it is great it's a i remember when i was a little kid listening to this and it it shaped my mind it shaped what i thought music should listen you know should sound like Mm-hmm. because it's just crazy it's so zany and weird and it's the introduction to one of the greatest albums of all time you know it has an immaculate track list yeah so um, and and i i love that album art too that's like classic yeah. you know the album art is fantastic and and yeah you know i i, I can't really say much on it that hasn't been said you know but um i personally i mean i i but i also think i know i don't know how to say this quite right obviously it's a lot of people's top first pick and it's a great run of songs but i have other i have personal favorites you know of what for again like just songs like Beatles song, songs? yeah songs like in terms of albums and like openers mm-hmm. like i don't personally yeah. i don't think it's the best beatles album I also Objective- don't think it's the, I don't think it's the best Beatles yeah. album either. But this is my favorite opener for yeah. an album. Yeah, that's why that's his. This is on that list. When we talk about the Beatles, we'll dive deeper into like favorites and stuff like yeah. that. Because yeah. we're gonna do a whole month on Beatles, which I look forward to. The BCU, the, the Beatles B- Cinematic, Cinematic Universe. Universe. <laughs> yep, that that's gonna be a fun one. But yeah. I I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. This, I don't I don't mean to go off on my favorite tangent. Beatles album either. Yeah, no, I just, I just, there's a lot of, this album's put on a pedestal, mm-hmm. and I get why, and I'm not saying it doesn't deserve it, but I'm also saying, I think objectively. No, there's better. Yeah, objectively, obviously, it's the choice, but personally, there are other choices, I think, that could have been made. But I don't disagree as well. It's hard. It's very hard and very conflicted on the inside. I'm sorry to confuse you, because. No, this is, you know what like it I'm, is? I'm hurting you. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you're not. No, this is. It kind of like falls into the same category as uh, Pink Floyd when it comes to where they get kind of 
pushed forward the most in terms of pop culture. Yeah. Because with Pink Floyd, their main three albums are Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here, and The Wall, right? Mm -hmm. With this, with the Beatles, it's Sgt. Pepper's, Abbey Road, and then most people would say The The White White Album. Album. Yeah. But, you know, this one is probably, when it comes to pop culture, the highest on the list, I would say, right? Especially with the the album work because it's all over the place. Oh yeah, the album the album artwork's iconic. It's the one of the greatest album covers of all time for sure. It's incredible. Uh, yeah, but that that's this album kind of has that going for it. Is that it's kind of the pop cultureized song uh, album. Yeah, yeah. It's like the beginner's best top ten albums of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, I don't disagree, but you know, you know where I stand. I think, yeah. I think it's, I still think it's a good choice. I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to fight you on it. I think it is um, a great album and I think it's a, an amazing opener. I think it's an iconic opener for sure. They're just yeah. also, it's hard to choose when there's so many good ones. It's really like, it's like, which of my favorite children should I shoot in the head? You know? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it's like. When how many favorite children you have, but yeah. But yeah, man, that's uh, that's my number two. It's now time for our number ones. Yes. Well, for my number one, this is the first thing I thought of when putting together this list. I'm going to say this right now. I think this is a timeless song. I think this song will continue to travel generations onward. Mm-hmm. And I think this this objectively and personally is the greatest album opener of all time. And the song that I have chosen is Marvin Gaye's What's Going On, Baby. I love this song. 1971, same album, same year that uh, Hunky Dory came out. Good Mm -hmm. year for music. Uh, This track is the first single off the album. It's the title of the album. It is the beginning of a, like, several multi-track spawn that's like Sprawl. That's like the first half of the album that just keeps going into different you know uh like kind of iterations this song was written by al cleveland and then he came to marvin gay with it after kind of shipping it around to a couple of uh different artists and marvin changed up the melody and you know he did his thing and um he wasn't sure about it at first wanting to record it and then he did Mm -hmm. um and the producer when marvin gay was done they so they they recorded this in Hitsville, USA, heart and soul of Motown. Um, when he when they first came to the producer of the track or the you know the publisher, uh, they fucking hated it. They're like, we're not going to put this out. We're not going to put this song out. And this song, this is an anti-war song. Okay, this really? is a song. Yeah, they didn't like the. I can't remember the name of the person. Um. But whoever was in charge of publishing this track did not want to do it. Okay? Hmm. Can you imagine living in a world where we didn't have this song? No. I can't, because this is one of the most iconic records of all time. Hmm. Okay? Rolling Stone has this song at number four on the greatest songs of all time out of 500 tracks. We We all know I love that list. Yes. This is the number four track, Jesse. Okay? I think it should be a little higher, but it's 
it, it's iconic. I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, it's a song that's steeped in the 70s. It's steeped in Vietnam, the draft, you know, drafting young black men, uh, you know, the racial disparity, protesters, anti-war people, them getting beaten down in the fucking streets by cops and by the military. It was a tense time, okay? And Marvin Gaye, the man, the man, the myth, the legend that he was, he graced us with the song of peace, okay? Picket mm-hmm. lines and picket signs don't punish me with brutality, all right? I I listened to the song during the height of the pandemic because that was a very weird time for us. That's when I did, mm-hmm. like discovered the album. I knew the song when I discovered the album as a whole. And it was a song that I played a lot. It was very important because we live in very strange times. A lot of weird shit's going on, you know. Um, we're on the brink of we're we're in a second Cold War right now, basically. Um, you know, they're talking about nuclear war again, which is pretty fucking crazy. And um, even though I don't think it'll happen, it's just very weird. It's scary, you know. And um, this song, Marvin Gaye, he he has the sorrow, the softness to his voice this kind of questioning about what the fuck is happening, you know, but he's got passion. He's got strong. This is a rallying cry. Okay. This is a call to action of this song. All right. We got to band together as people to fight against oppression, to fight against, you know, fucking fascist government or whatever, you know, against war, against fighting. We got to band together. We got to love, we got to have peace. I know that's hard to do now, you know, it's a different time. This is a song that's 50 years old, you know, turned 50 yeah. uh, last, last year. year. So and Marvin Gaye has been gone for, you know, it's going to be 40 years next year. It's been a bit. But, um, you know, I, I think this song is just, you know, the iconic, the the opening, um, uh, the saxophone little solo mm. at the beginning, the whole, the guy's talking about what's happening, what's going on, you know? And the mother, mother. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, oh God, he's Marvin Gaye. Obviously he's uh, one of the greatest vocalists, producers who ever graced our ears. But um, I don't want to go on more of a tangent about it. I just think, I think this song is so important. Um, to music and to us as people i think more people should listen to the song because to me i hold it in a very special place in times when life is very confusing um just like changes you know i could put this track on and it'll make me feel a little bit at ease and uh, i'm very appreciative of that um mm. that music can have that effect sometimes like it can quell that anxiety about life because i don't have control over what other people are fucking doing what rich people or stupid rich people are doing or politicians or shit you know i can't control any of that um you know i can only hope that in my time uh you know people will stop being so divided and we'll band together a little bit like marvin gaye sings you know we're all yeah. humans so but jesse as you stated you you love the song too what do you what i love the song i love marvin gaye man yeah uh, he's he, I, his voice is just. That was my chair. I don't know if you heard that. Is yeah, uh, it's okay. I did not. I did not just rebass. You're good. But uh, Be impressive yeah, if you did. Huh? No. Yeah. No. I, I'll let you know if I ever do. Okay. But uh, man, 
What's going on? You know? Yeah. Simple as that. It's just, what's going on? Yeah, what the fuck is going on? And it, it's, I can't really say much that you haven't just said, you know, about this song. It is, it is just a beautiful song about what it's about and everything like that. And I just want to shout out his other song, uh, Ain't, Ain't No Mountain High. Yep. You know? Yeah. That, that's, that's a great, that's, I think my favorite Mar- Marvin Gaye song besides what's going on. Powerful but. track. I But I'll say the closing track on what's going on, uh, mm-hmm. Inner City Blues, Make Me Want to mm-hmm. Holler. Another fantastic track. So good. Mm-hmm. Um, different tone. Uh, very, um, like, it's groovy, but it's, like, very much more uh, melancholy. Um, yeah. It's, like, darker. I got a question for you, though. Like, what is what is this like? How do you like feel personally? Like, what does this personally mean to you? This song, because I know you know it and you've listened to it. Like, what do you? How how does this personally affect you? If I could get an insight into the heart and the mind of Jesse Keller, I don't know. I just, it's just a, it's just I I, I don't know. That's kind of that's a really good question. It kind of just makes me feel relaxed and it makes me think about what he's thinking about and what he's saying Mm -hmm. and the stuff that it that he talks about in the lyrics of you were saying uh you know father father and then we don't need to escalate yeah the war is not the answer yep ironic because Things between Powerful. him and his father did escalate, unfortunately. They did. In 1983, when uh, his dad killed him. Yeah. So. Um, isn't that isn't that something? Isn't that so fucked? Marvin Gaye Sr. is a piece of shit. Yeah. Um, his dad. Not Marvin Gaye Jr., who's the singer we're talking about. Um, when I was looking at the lyrics and researching this, he came up. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, yeah, we don't need they to talk at, about him. They at well, I just want to say I think this is kind of fucked up, but they asked his dad in prison like a year later what he thought about his son. You know what he said? Mm-hmm. What he said? They asked him if he loved his son, and he said, "Well, I didn't hate him." Hmm. What a piece of work. You That's know, great for a beautiful soul for Marvin Gaye. And, yeah, you know, one of the most gifted. Uh, One of the best vocalists. Yeah, and uh, well, also, you know, you haven't noticed, you haven't mentioned Jesse. What sexual healing? Well, yeah, another, sexual healing. Another great Marvin Gaye track. But alas, we're not talking about those. We're talking about um, what's going on. And I'm glad you shared that because it makes me feel relaxed too. It's a song that puts me at ease. Because it's his voice. It's just, it's really his voice that does it. You know what it reminds me of. And also the saxophone. The saxophone. You know, we love saxophones. We here. love saxophone. Saxophone adds to any song. It just reminds me of the fact that he was in a similar situation in terms of like you know what was going on in the world politically. Everything was really crazy and haywire, and he lived. You know, he lived through it, and and everything was okay in the end. And that's another thing that I really like is that it things will work themselves out. It'll be okay. You know. Mm-hmm. Life isn't going to fall apart, you know? So it was okay. It worked itself out back then. It'll work itself out now. So I agree with you. Yeah. But Jesse, 
Here we are. We're at the end. We're at the end. What is your last song that you're going to talk about today? My last song, it'll be a quick one because it's very simple in, uh, in style, is uh, One More Time from Daft Punk. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah, man. This album is their second album. Came out in 2001. And it's their first single from the album. Mm-hmm. This song was actually finished in 1998. Really? And it, yeah. I wasn't uh, aware of that. Yeah, they shelved it until 2000 when they when they released it as the first single. Oh. Yeah. And uh, this album was actually, you know, Discovery was their first album with mm-hmm. the, the robot persona yep. that they had. Uh, I remember reading... I think I think I read it somewhere saying that the reason why Daft Punk decided to go with the robot persona was because all their computers had shut down uh on the 9th it was September 9th 1999 mm-hmm. at 9:09 9 oh? p.m. Yeah. Oh. I I believe that's what the what happened was Everything got shut down at nine oh nine on the September ninth, which is obviously the ninth month, mm-hmm. which made them go into this whole like robotic persona, like oh shit, we're controlled by machines type of thing. Yeah, uh, and then also they they wanted to steer clear of the the fame and the they wanted to keep the anonymity the anonymity yes. of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, they wanted to um to keep their personal lives private. Mm-hmm. Yep. But this song, I mean, you you couldn't go anywhere in a club in the 2000s without hearing this song. Uh, you know, I mean, I wouldn't know. I was, you know, a baby. Well, but maybe you were out there as a baby. Yeah, I probably Loving, was. My, like my parents baby. probably took me. Yeah. Yeah, you're like the boss baby, Jesse. <laughs> but this, uh, the vocal uh, was performed by uh, R- Rom- Romanthony, I think this is his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote the lyrics and then you know performed it for them but uh the song is actually mainly a uh a sample which is pretty much the whole song it's uh by eddie johns called um more spell on you Mm -hmm. and first they tried to deny it they were like no this is not a sample and then like they were later proved wrong uh and it's funny because when you listen to the original song i mean you, can you can't hear, not hear it. You can't not hear it, but also it's it just goes to show the what Daft Punk was really capable of how they chopped the sample up. Yeah, it was just crazy. Yeah, they they sped it up. They, you know, they they put the uh, the levels the the tone, not the tone, the uh, the pitch, the pitch. Thank you. Yeah, they, they, they brought they the pitch up. It. Yeah, I mean, there's not much you could really say about it besides. That it's a classic like house song. Yep. You know, when it comes to electronic music. There's no there's no lyric, you know, there's not a lot of lyrics to this song either. You know, most daft punks don't have a lot of lyrics besides stuff that's on RAM. Yeah. Uh but what do you what do you think about this song? I know you I know you love Daft Punk as much as I do. I mean this is this is the Daft Punk song. This is the quintessential you want to listen to Daft Punk? This is where you begin. Yeah, Discovery is the album. You know? It's their magnum opus. It is. It's their masterpiece. It's the 
it's an incredible album. It's an influential and this song, I mean, it's played everywhere. It's you heard it once, you've heard it a million times, but it's it's a fun song. It's a happy song. It's a song I'll always dance to. It's upbeat, you know. Music does got me feeling so free and I want to celebrate. Like I I love it. I love Daft Punk. They're one of my favorite groups. Um, you know, there's not too much I can say. There's nothing I can really read into or tell you fun facts about. I yeah, mean, there's nothing really. There's nothing crazy about it. You know, Daft Punk has always been very secretive. Yeah, and it's just it's just a lot of it's a lot of sampling. It's just I don't really find with Daft Punk there's a lot of meaning. That first you know? three song run though in Discovery is iconic. You know. Oh yeah. I will like so to talk about like it as an open as a opener what do you how do you feel about this song kind of uh setting the tone for the rest of the album it's perfect because Mm -hmm. it's you know homework is there's a really good documentary on um it was on showtime uh about daft punk Mm -hmm. uh that they didn't and obviously weren't able to interview them but they talked to all the collaborators that they've had throughout the years the people who've worked with them on designing their helmets and their suits and you know, um, homework is kind of like an homage to '90s house music. Mm-hmm. Discovery is what they wanted to do the entire time, though. That's what they were working on, though. That's that's you know, and they it's it's an important record. It's uh, definitely, uh, probably I'd even dare us to say I'd say it's a top three electronic music record. It's inspired oh, yeah. countless many others um it put them on the map too it it did it did put them on the map i mean in terms of an album opener it's great it gets you it's a fun album it has some somber moments you know as like something about us Mm -hmm. um it has some slow moments to it but it's it, it just as an introduction it shows you like this was different this is a change it's different from anything else you'd hear you know even today even how electronic music is today it's different and i'd say it's a cornerstone album it is mm-hmm. it is definitely important and it, especially look at it in the context of the first three song run on the album i think it's one of the best songs especially runs. aerodynamic aerodynamic so it's one more time and then it goes straight into aerodynamic with that fucking gong that bell yeah. and, then and then digital love transitions right into digital love which is like one of my favorite songs on that album I've, i think something about us is my favorite uh song but in terms of an opener i mean it just sets the energy it sets the pace because that's how a lot of the other songs are they're upbeat they have hard fast chops to the songs harder better faster stronger uh superheroes uh high life crescendals um, crescendals you know it's it is a it's a perfect opener um mm-hmm. and i i mean you couldn't take another song i couldn't see the track list any other way you know i think there's no other way that you could have done yeah uh, it's a journey it's a journey through the electronical music it's a journey through them you know, it's a journey through Daft Punk. If you want to know who Daft Punk are, you want to get to know them because they sampled all this music that they loved. You know, they didn't just choose random songs to sample. Yeah. You know, they like s- Madonna's on here. Madonna. Uh, oh, God. Uh, Barry, Barry, Manilow. Barry Manilow. Yeah. Um, 
you know, they sampled old funk records and um, it's just, I don't know, man, it's fantastic. And I I also want to say on something about us, I think Thundercat might have taken, he might have interpolated the main guitar riff for uh, Tron Cat 2 um, fan mail uh, on Drunk. I, I employ you to go listen to those. But their mm-hmm. influence is outreaching, and it wouldn't be nearly as strong without this album and without one more time. So, hmm. yeah, man, that's uh, that's my last song. So uh, that's it. Another one in the books, baby. Another one. This yeah. is uh, episode five, right? Episode five, yes, sir. And next week, crazy. Next week, Jesse, we finally start. What do we start, Jesse? We start our saga into decade uh playlists yes and next week since it's our sixth episode we will be doing the 60s yes we will we um decided to skip the 50s i love 50 50s music but um i think making a 60s playlist will be more fun than it would be yeah i recommend if you guys want 50s music just play fallout (laughs) look up look up the fallout soundtracks (laughs) that's how i started listening to 50s music um but yeah, check out, uh, we're doing 60s next week, and it's going to be a fun one. I'm going to try and find some 60s deep cuts to throw on here, try, mm-hmm. and, try and blindside you a little bit. Cool, I'm excited. And then um, it's going to be Halloween pretty soon, too, which is going to be pretty crazy. Yeah, the week uh, to tease the next one, after 60s, we're going to do some Halloween tunes yep. for all of you guys. Yeah. So it should be fun. <laughs> All right, man. Well, this was a good one, and uh, you know, glad to uh, talk to you again, like we do every week. And uh, yeah, well, thank you to everybody listening in. And yeah, uh, we'll see. Uh, make you. sure to follow us everywhere. Yes, make sure to follow us. Uh, click the click the links for all the playlists: yep. Apple Music, Spotify, all that good stuff. Playlist links are in the description. Um, and yeah, and links to everything else. Uh, you want to listen to the podcast on YouTube. You want to listen to it on a different platform. You yeah. Can find it there. Outro, outro Gabe will also tell you the same thing. Yes. But uh, thank you, everyone, for watching. Uh, I've been Jesse. And I've been Gabe. And uh, we'll, we'll see you next week. All right. Bye-bye. want to listen to the songs we discussed as well as other picks for today's episode a playlist is linked in the description below make sure to subscribe like rate and leave a comment follow us on instagram at ysms underscore podcast and thank you again for listening to the your song my song podcast see you next week